Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Yes, it is indeed. It's Film Reviews and Movie News with me, Stuart Pink. And joining me, as always, for Film Reviews and Movie News, the proud new owner of a gold mine in Zamuna. It's Mark Searby. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Are you pleased with your new purchase? All the way from Zamunda. <laughs> yeah, how's, how's that gold mine doing? It's going very well, thank you, yes. Um, it's Lovely. popped up right next to McDowell's restaurant, so I go to <laughs> McDowell's every single day. Lovely, get yourself a big mick. Yes, yes, Beautiful. yes, absolutely, absolutely, yes. Um, yeah. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. It's going well, yes. Good. Yes. Glad to um, we should, uh, I know obviously we want to talk about movie news. Uh, something that dropped earlier this week that I was shocked about. Really shocked. <laughs> Breaking okay. news. Oh. Yeah, really shocked about this. So there's a film uh, called Nomadland, which um, has been tipped for very big Oscar glory basically yeah. um since it debuted at film festivals in the u.s last year it played at london film festival last year as well um so it was you know i mean everybody was raving about it basically and i saw it at london film festival I have to say i really like it we'll review it obviously when it comes out the reason i'm talking about this is because originally it was going to be in cinemas um on the first of january then it got pulled then it was going to be in cinemas um, this month and it got pulled and then it just was sort of hey it's going to be released at some point this is in the uk by the way elsewhere yeah. in the us i think it's uh it's coming to digital download soon uh, what's going to happen now here in the uk is it's going direct to star on disney plus at the end of april so just after the oscars after the oscars Yes, so I think what they're, what they're hoping is that it does very well at the Oscars mm. um, and, and people want to watch it. So um, it's got Frances McDormand in it, who's a woman who basically um, leave, lives this nomadic existence in the American middle America, basically. As I said, won't review it or review it when it comes out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be on start on Disney Plus at the end of April and mm. then going to cinemas once cinemas reopen which is an interesting way of doing it isn't it it's like backwards isn't it it's like yeah let's do it on the on the it's, it's clearly disney making use of their new star thing isn't it oh absolutely oh yeah 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 absolutely yeah yeah absolutely but um yeah just found it quite interesting that you know we, we had something like that and the thing is it does lend itself to being seen on the big screen because obviously it's the Ameri it's the it's middle america she's driving across middle america so it looks impre very impressive yeah um but to do something like that I, I think shows a bit of boldness to be honest that people will still turn up after yeah. its availability on a streaming service um has that happened yet that's his new no it hasn't territory in it no we've, we've had some in the past that have gone to dvd and then um repertory cinemas have shown them because there's been a big demand or something but nothing mm. like this very interesting I, I find you know or it's had a cinema release and a streaming slash blu-ray release dvd release at the same time but nothing like this yeah be interested to see how this pans out yes yeah very interesting um so it'll be curious to see what the numbers are afterwards i think and yeah. whether it was a success or not business so, experiment 
That's when Disney. Yeah, well, obviously, Disney Plus, uh, they're doing this, aren't they? You know, Mulan and uh, one of the films we're going to talk about in a bit as well, Ray and the Last Dragon, they put on there on a premium access. So you have to pay for it. Even premium streaming. Premium for it, yes. Um, so they're, they're trying a lot of different business models here. I'm not sure all of them work. I don't know. Um, Disney Plus, you've got Disney Plus Plus, you've got yeah, Disney Multiply. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if it all works. So, uh, so we'll we'll see what happens with Nomadland um, mm. when it hits Star on Disney. When's it coming? So end of April, April. basically end of April. So I, I would have thought it would be the Monday after this, so the day after the Oscars, because the Oscars is is it the 26th of April, I think something like that. So I yeah. imagine it will be the Monday, basically. Exciting mm. times. Yes. Other bit of film news, we should talk about this. Forgot to talk about it last week. Um, the Glasgow Film Festival is in full flow at the moment. Hey. I think. Well, hang on a second. Can't have film full, festivals. Yeah, full flow. <laughs> yeah. Um, we can. They're all online at the moment. So the Glasgow oh. Film Festival started last weekend. It's running through till, uh, I think it's like the 10th of March or something like that. Oh, that's a good long, isn't it? it yeah, so it, it is. Yeah, it's pretty good. And you can watch the films online, obviously, for a, uh, a fee. I think they're about nine ninety nine each, something like that. I think they vary in price. Mm. But it's it's quite an impressive and diverse list, actually. I've been watching a few over the past week, um, just bits that I was kind of interested in, bits that are getting a full release later on in the year as well. Um, so there's some good stuff on there as well. Um so the, uh, some of the recommendations I would suggest is there's a film called Gunda, which is a black and white documentary that follows Gunda the pig and her piglets around the farm. They do not talk, so it's not a talking animals thing or anything. Not babe. It is. It doesn't have. Yeah, it's not babe at all. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have music either. It's just got the sounds of the farm. Oh. Um, and it's yeah, it's a really interesting piece. Yeah. So that's on there. That's going to full release uh, later in the year as well. There's a documentary. Uh, showing called Killing Escobar, which is the untold story of the assassination, uh, the attempted assassination of Pablo Escobar yeah. as well. Um, there's a very funny comedy on there called Limbo, um, all about um, uh, an immigrant coming to the UK and trying to get his visa to stay here in the UK. However, while that's happening, they send him to the right top of, uh, of the Scottish Isles to live there. <laughs> Um, wow. along with a few other immigrants who have come in who are waiting for their visas as well. It's very funny. Yeah. It's very funny. Really impressed with that as well. Um, the I'm just... Uh, there is the first, the first UK showing of Kelly Reichard's first cow. I haven't seen this yet. Um, I'm going to be watching it at Glasgow Film Festival, so that this debuts... Uh, oh, actually, it's live now. It's live now. Um, this, much like Nomadland, what we were talking about, Huge acclaim for it. Huge acclaim. Um, and it's all set in the Pacific Northwest in America as well. So this is uh, it's going to be on Mubi, the uh, streaming service uh, here in the UK. I think it's at the end of May. So you're getting it about two months before it gets a full release here in the UK as well. So oh, First nice. Cow is on there. I've heard great things about Spring Blossom, which is a coming-of-age tale. That's going to close the film festival uh, on the 10th of March as well there. Uh, there's a documentary about Tina Turner as well. Nice. So if you're interested in the documentaries, you know, Tina Turner time. is there okay. as well. Mm. Yeah, um, it's it's got quite a lot. The one film that I would suggest 
most people check out. If you, if this is your thing, is there is a documentary called The Dissident on there. The Dissident. Um, yes. So it has gone live um, from today, basically. I think it's later today. Um, yes, later today. Um, it is a documentary about the shocking murder of the Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Um, you may have seen this story, obviously, in the news from 2018, where he went to uh, the embassy and was never seen again. Um, this documentary blew me away. Yeah. Within 10 minutes, I had texted my friend to say, you need to see this documentary. This is incredible. Absolutely incredible. It's one hour 45 and it is... I'll tell you what it's like. It's like watching uh, a Hollywood crime film where you go... This is this just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. It's too out of the realms of what was happening. But it didn't. This obviously really happened. And a lot of the stuff that is shown in this documentary, I didn't know. Like they had the real transcripts of what happened in the room that day. I was shocked, absolutely shocked wow. by this documentary. It is an impressive piece of work. So for me, if you are going to you know, have a go at uh, Glasgow Film Festival, do set your sights on The Dissident because it is brilliant filmmaking, absolutely brilliant. And we will talk about it when obviously it gets a full UK release, which is going to happen here. Yeah. Um, but wow, what a documentary. Just amazing, absolutely amazing. Nice, we like a good expose. Oh, it's it, it's more than that. Yeah, more than that. Yeah, absolutely, it's fantastic. Awesome. So, how can people find it? Where do you, so, you... if you go to uh, glasgowfilm.org and then click on Glasgow Film Festival, it'll have the full list of the films that are available. You click the title. It says Rent Now. Uh, you pay your money, and you have. Um, 48 hours from the point when you first start playing it to finish watching it, basically. So, if you like it once, you can watch it the next day, basically. Um, so, yeah. So it's all there at your disposal right now without even leaving the house. That's the thing. That's the thing. I've been I've been watching quite a few, I have to say. So, um, yeah, they've got some good films, some really good films. But Glasgow Film Festival are known for this. They've always had very good films. You just had to go in person. Yeah. This time you haven't even got to go north of the border. You can no. stay here. No, you haven't Don't got to... Uh, no, you haven't got to uh, cross the wall, shall we say. <laughs> Yeah. Only the firewall. Right. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. We've got films out this week. We have. Um, it's a lot of films as well, so yeah. we should probably get on with it. <laughs> Let's do it. With Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Film reviews and movie news. It's film reviews and movie news. Mark Searby, what have we got this week? Well, we've got a, a, a well a sequel thirty three years after the original film. Good God, is it thirty three years? Oh my God! Yeah, I know. So we have coming to America. The two is the number two this time. Um, coming to. Yes, two, coming to. Two. Um, so this time, African monarch Akeem, he's no longer prince, he's now king, uh, learns he has a long-lost son in the United States and must return to Queens to meet his unexpected heir and build a relationship with his son. So we were talking off air just a minute ago that you had watched Coming to America earlier this week in preparation for this. Yes. Just... My, my thought on Coming to America, I'll ask you about this in a moment, actually, is that... Even 33 years later, I think it is a stone-cold classic. I think it is hugely entertaining, 
incredibly funny. It is a black fairy tale that I think transcended race and continues to do so at the moment. And I think it is one of the biggest comedy films of the 1980s and and probably to this day, actually. I mean, the amount of lines that I could recite to you <laughs> and that just shows you how impressive that film was and continues to be. But looking at it now and I, much like you, I watched it recently again just because it was on. I'm like, this is still incredibly funny. It, it, still it hasn't aged. Time. Yeah. Yeah. It hadn't aged. It really does. The only thing I thought, I mean, there's, I've, I wish I could go to their barbers. I mean, if your, your barber was like that, I'd be there every day. Such a lot. But I did wonder how they're going to do it now uh, mm. in a slightly more politically correct society. Okay. So there's yeah. clearly going to be some gags around that because they did that in the first one. But uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see how, how, he, how he deals with this. Okay, so I can answer some of those questions, but I don't want to answer all of it because it will spoil it. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I was worried about a sequel because let's face it, nobody wanted a sequel. We all thought it was the, it was fine on its own. Yeah, yeah um, it ended well. It ended yeah. well. It was the yeah, as we said, it was a fairy tale ending. That's what you were happy with. It, it was fine. Yeah. So I was a bit worried when we got this sequel. I have to say, don't be worried. I was I it's a fun film. I think for lovers of the original film there are so many jokes, so many references, so many nods and cameos that it will keep you laughing all the way through the entire film. And I think in a lot of films, certainly comedy films, and we've discussed this previously, that I think referencing back to the original or you know doing things like that, bringing in old characters and stuff like that could be seen as playing the lo the lowest common denominator to ensure people are easily accessible to it and and going, oh, it's fun, there's so-and-so and whatever else. Yeah. However, they do it in such a way here that it fits seamlessly into the storyline. So I'll give you an example, right? And you were talking about the barbershop. So what happens is when Akeem and Semi return to Queens, they stop off at the mighty shop, right? Yeah. Naturally. Of course. I, I think in any other film you would go, well, they're shoehorning that in. This is completely pointless, apart from to get it in and get the reference and get the characters in. Yeah. However, here it feels natural because Akeem doesn't know anybody in Queens anymore. Everybody's moved to Zamunda. The only people <laughs> he knows in Queens are the guys in the mighty shop. And so they're still there. They're all still there. So it makes sense that that would be the place that they would go to. And that happens a lot in this film. And I think uh, Akeem and Semi hitting those marks or those moments that refer back to the original film are really enjoyable here. They they they, they are worthwhile. And the writers, um, Barry Blaustein, David Sheffield, who wrote the original one as well, alongside Eddie Murphy, have kept that. Their, their, their references work on the level of going back to the 1980s for the original, but also in the modern era as well. You were saying about, you know, how, how have some of these jokes... How do they look in the in the modern era? I yeah. think they work. I think they really do work. Um, here's the interesting thing about this film. Eddie Murphy, well, Prince Akeem, is kind of sidelined for, for large portions of the film. And I'm not sure if this is a wise thing. Oh. I, I don't think it's like a baton-passing act either. It just seems that the story is heavily, and I do mean really heavily, focused on his son, uh, Lavelle Johnson, too much he's a fun character don't get me wrong um because he brings this like modern day edge to proceedings so like you what you were asking about there Stuart, how does it work in the modern age mm. well we get a character who has been brought up in the modern era in new york in a city basically yeah um so w what we get is 
this fish out of water context where Lavelle and his mom go to Zamunda. They bring their New York attitude to a place that really hasn't seen that attitude since Lisa moved to Zamunda 33 years ago or whatever it was, basically. Yeah. Um, it is fun, but I feel like there was too much focus on him. Yeah, the new character. Yeah. over a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Also, I, I think there's too many storylines going on here, which is really weird to see. So l here's the storylines that I picked up on. OK, so there's... Uh, Akeem's, uh, so the, Akeem discovering his male heir, that's one story. Storyline about Lavelle, that's another. Then there's a storyline about Akeem's daughters in Zamunda being, feeling like they're being passed over. There's a storyline about Lavelle's Uncle Reem. There's a storyline about Semi bickering with Uncle Reem. There's a storyline about Lisa getting back in touch with her New York route. There's a storyline about Akeem's arch enemy, General Zizi, uh, Easy. Um, there's a story. I know. There's a storyline about General Easy trying to marry off his daughter, and there's a storyline about General Easy assembling an army to attack Zamunda. Oh, so you wow, see, there's a lot extra yeah, going on for one hour and forty-eight minutes. That's a lot to cram in, isn't it? It's a lot to cram in, and I think all of them finish. Okay, that the, none of them are left hanging. All of them finish. Some finish quite quickly when it's realised that mm, this is not really going anywhere. Yeah, this is a others. Bit extra. Uh, others finish very, very well. There's a couple that are elongated a bit too much, I've got to be honest. Um, hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, that's the thing. It's a heck of a lot to fit in in one hour and 48 minutes. Yeah. Do you think there's some of that you could have taken out? I think straight away, Jim, easy. Maybe, maybe. It's it's difficult um, based on the fact because of the characters. We already had a huge ensemble of characters in the first film. All now they've doubled down. People. Yeah, now <laughs> yeah. they've doubled down and they've got even more, basically. So look, going back to it, I think Eddie Murphy's still very funny as Akeem and yeah. as Clarence and as Soul and as Randy Watson. Yes, Randy Watson <laughs> is in it. Um he may be older, Eddie Murphy, but he hasn't lost that golden touch with these characters. That's the good thing. Yeah. The, the other thing that I really liked about this film is Wesley Snipes as General Easy. Um, <laughs> He's he, brilliant. I've never seen a warlord portrayed like an end-of-the-peer panto villain before. However... <laughs> That's what we get here. It is a very fun character, and Wesley Snipes is hamming it up spectacularly well. It also helps that Tracy Morgan is in this film as Uncle Reem. Um, he had me howling with laughter every step of the way. I like Tracy Morgan anyway. I thought he was great in 30 Rock. Um, and he's a great stand-up comedian. Very good here. Very funny. Excellent. Really like this character, even though it's a secondary character like that. The yeah. same with Leslie Jones as Lavelle's mum, uh, who brings a lot of energy to the role. Like, it's coming off the screen where you're like, this is good. I like this. I like when somebody goes bigger and it feels fun and clearly the the actor is having a good time doing it. I think yeah. Leslie Jones is doing that here as well. Um, so th th there's a lot of really entertaining stuff here. I think... You know, the, the film takes the viewer through a lot, a lot throughout that one hour and 48. It's not what you expect, however, because I think there is enough in the film for plenty of laughs and the odd tear as well. Don't oh, get me yeah, wrong. Got, yeah. got, a little, got a little bit emotional. Well, the first one had some emotion. In it. Yeah, it yeah, did. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Um, for me, 
as a as a person who grew up with the original film, it was nice to see these characters back. I had a lot of fun with them. Um, I don't know what else I can say, really. Um, you know, look, people are going to say, is this as good as the first one? The answer is no, it's not. But the first one has had time. Yeah. To to develop uh, that love, that, you know, that iconic status. Cult status, definitely. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say cult. Not at all. It's, you know, let's face it, coming to America did hundreds of millions of dollars worldwide. Yeah. Um, so this one has a lot to live up to. Does it do it? I think it's just bubbling underneath. There's a lot to like about this. lot to like. I enjoyed it um, for the majority of it. As I said, lots of storyline. However, there's a lot of humour as well. Lots of fun in it. Yes, yes. Fantastic. So do you think this will gain a whole load of new fans for coming to America, the first one? I think if you haven't seen Coming to America, the original, by now... (laughs) You're probably not. You're probably not going to go to coming to America. This one, the new one, before seeing that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know anybody who would go. Well, I'll just go to this one. I'll see the second one. Yeah, see the second one first. No, you've got to see the first. And most people have seen the first by now because it's such a brilliant film. Such a brilliant film. Eddie Murphy back on film. Still comedy royalty. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I I adored him in Dolomite Is My Name. I thought that was a brilliant return to form. One of my favourite films of 2019, really. Um, And it showed that when he puts his mind to something, he can really make great films. And that's the same here with Coming to America. It's a shame that he looks like he's happy to take easy money. You know, films like Pluto Nash and... Norbit, oh, shudder. Um, <laughs> you know, easy money, stuff like that. But when he really puts his mind to it, he's the Eddie Murphy that has been one of the finest comedic actors across, what, three generations? Three decades. Yeah. And I wish he would do more like that. More of this, please, Eddie. Yeah. Awesome. I look forward to it. I say 30... What, 34 years? We'll have coming three America. Years. Yeah. Dream. Yeah. Coming three. <laughs> uh, I mean, it might be a while. You know, I think Eddie Murphy <laughs> might be a CGI or something by then. I'm quite sure how old the, uh, the barbers will be at that point. Yeah. Yeah. They'll still be the same. That's the thing. <laughs> They'll still be the same age. Nice. We've got another uh, What we got? What's next? So, Raya and the Last Dragon, which is a premium. Premiums? No, hang on. What is the terminology for? You know this more than me. Premium. Premium streamium. Pre- yeah, yeah. It it's a that. premium price plus, on plus. Disney Plus. So plus, basically, plus plus. Yeah, plus plus. Multiply. So basically, you you have to pay for this, even though you're already paying for Disney Plus. So Disney this is a story uh, set in a realm known as Kumandra, which is a reimagined Earth inhabited by an ancient civilization. There, a warrior named Raya is determined to find. The Last Dragon. The Last mm-hmm. Dragon. Sounds good. So here's the easy thing to say on this one, Stuart. Mm. Walt Disney Animated Studios does it again. They've made another outstanding animated film for the entire family. Let's leave the review at that. You might as well play the record. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, that's short and nice. <laughs> yeah, no, short and sweet, basically. But, I mean, that's it. It's, they've made another brilliant film. Classic Disney stuff. Joking aside. Okay, joking aside. I think this is probably Disney Animation Studios' best film since The Princess and the Frog in terms of storytelling, Mm. because at the heart of the film is a character, Raya, who I I think embodies 
just about everything you would want from a teenager in this film. So Rhea is very bold, very active, very fearless. She's smart. She's got plenty of other things going on. However, this is where Disney's storytelling succeeds in this film, is that Rhea isn't the complete package. She needs to go on this journey, not just to find the, the last dragon, but also to discover more about herself as a person and also the person who she wants to be, basically. Oh, Disney going modern with their lead character. Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that because the word trust is used a lot in this film. Oh. And yes... Disney films do like to hammer home the message. We've oh, spoken yes, about this before. Um, oh, guys, if you didn't get it, I'm going to say the word trust again. Underlined yes. neon flashing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. that's how they do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> However, here, it feels like it fits perfectly into the story that it's telling not just about Rhea's lack of trust, but also about other people's lack of trust. So the bigger story is that, okay, yes, you know, Rhea has to go and find this dragon, but the bigger story is that there's this special crystal that is split into five different sections by a dragon and each realm named after a part of a dragon protects one piece of this crystal. However, there mm. are dark forces at play and trust within the realms is bit. evaporating. So the yes. film is basically saying to us watching it, trust is a two way street. And that we need to be more trusting in people we don't really know, but we could be friends with. So I think that's heavy going for a kid's film. Mm. Yeah. But big message to... Yeah, it is a big message. But Disney do it so well that it doesn't feel like it. That's the thing. Um, because it, it is an insanely fun film, for, I, I think, for the entire family. The opening half an hour is like watching an animated version of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, nice. Because Rhea has really? to complete all of these tasks in order to show her father how worthy she is, basically. And it's really entertaining. So entertaining. It's really fun as well. Then later on, there's some really good action scenes, especially the big finale, I thought, just popped off the screen brilliantly. Um, I mean, the whole film is just one colossal action adventure. But then you have this this heavy subject matter, but it doesn't feel heavy as well. Um, yeah. I think the animation is brilliant. The background is stunning. I could have watched the background on its own, to be honest with you. It uh, did the, look beautiful in the trailer. It, yeah, like absolutely. Stunning. And I think stunning. if you like the animation style that's going on here and you haven't watched any Studio Ghibli stuff, please do go and watch some Studio Ghibli stuff. It's all on Netflix at the moment because, weirdly, it feels like Disney is slowly trying to enter Studio Ghibli territory. I mean, there's a lot of... Um, similarities in Rare and the Last Dragon compared to Princess Mononoke as well, and also My Neighbor Totoro, and maybe Pompoko as well. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot of similarities going on there. But all of those films, I mean, Princess Mononoke is heavy going um, because it's all about climate change. Um, uh, you know, this is the thing with Rare and the Last Dragon. It, it's, it's hammering home this message, but it feels like it's not because of the beautiful animation. The voice work, I think, is great as well. It's a cracking cast. It's a cracking cast. Really, really, really like Aquafina as the dragon. Nice, um, yeah. Because here's the thing, and this is what I liked about her performance in this, is that it is not too crazy. It's not over-the-top crazy. Mm. It's just fun and a little bit stupid, but not ridiculously stupid. You know, it could have been so easy to take a character and go, yes, blow it up a thousand percent, larger than life, and it's a dragon and whatever else, you know. It's not gone full like Eddie Murphy and Shrek. 
Yes, that's a, that's a great point. You know, I was thinking about uh, obviously a lot of Disney animations that have uh, characters crazy that sidekick. are cra- yeah, crazy sidekicks. Yeah. Um, this one, fun sidekick, not over the top, and I like that about it, and I like what Aquafina did with that as well. Mm. Um, so I think you know, for me, from top to bottom, I just think this is this film is brilliant all the way through, and I know people are going to complain about you have to pay extra for it. But I think it's worth it. Yeah, they've done it. Again. 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 Disney move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful stuff. So this is Disney Plus. You have to pay a little bit to watch it. But you have to pay a bit more. Yeah, I'm not sure what the price is. Cinema, I've got to be yeah. honest. I think it might be 14 99 I'm not really sure. I know people are like, well, that's a ridiculous amount of money considering. But it is a great film. Take the kids to the new cinema, which is indoors at the moment. Yeah, the new what's out is in. Go, go down or do something like or that. Well, whatever the saying is. is. Yeah. 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 If you don't, you'll just be like a bit of a dragon. And then you'll <laughs> go, oh, I need to see that film. <laughs> also, we've still got three more films to do. Mm. So, uh, do you want to get yourself a coffee? Well, I'm going to need one to get through these. With Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Film reviews and Do you know, I couldn't have said it better myself. It's film reviews and movie news with me, Stuart Pink, and Mark Zippy. Mark, we've still got three films left. What have we got? We have. So, films that are out on DVD and Blu-ray now. We have the film called Pixie. Um, Pixie? Yes, this is... So, this is a comedy crime film, and uh, it says, uh, To avenge her mother's death, Pixie masterminds a heist, but must flee across Ireland from gangsters, take on the patriarch, and also choose her own destiny. Ooh. We had spoken off air because you've seen the trailers and you said, this looks like a lot of fun. This is right up my street. I thought it might be. I thought it might be. And I have to say, when I saw the trailer the first time, I was like, yeah, I need to see this film. This looks great. And I've got to be honest, I love a film that's got attitude. And Pixie, the film and the central character, is thick with attitude. An attitude that you can't help but love. It is one of those... One person against the world type films. Um, this time it is a 20-something woman who seemingly is up against gangsters and the clergy. It is a wild premise when you think about it. It's a it. strange old combo, isn't it? It is, yeah, but absolutely. It looks hilarious. It works. That's the thing. You're saying, yeah. you know, you've only seen the trailer and you're thinking, this looks great. It works. It really does. Because it is hugely entertaining in a sort of scrappy way. Um, yeah. It doesn't take any prisoners. And this is why I'm saying it's got a lot of attitude. Pixie is an instantly likeable character with quite an affront throughout. She's clever. She's sophisticated. And I think kind of in her own way, quite powerful because she slowly converts these two idiotic gangsters into her way of thinking and in helping her extract revenge and then hopefully flee in the country. So there's a lot going on in the film. And mm. at times, I felt like I was watching like a Tarantino teenager film. And yeah. then at other times, I felt like I was watching like an Edgar Wright film. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of styles going on, but I think they nice. all blend very well. They're all lots of fun. There is no getting away from this film uh, as to how good Olivia Cook as Pixie is in it. This is her film. She is excellent. A real standout. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's easy to see why she's being Have courted by Hollywood. Uh, yeah, she's done some she other bits. In? Yeah, you know, she's done some TV and some film bits, but it's easy to see why she's being courted 
over in Hollywood and certainly here as well. Mm. So while this is a small film, I think her performance is, 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 I mean, it's wickedly entertained. She is funny throughout. She's aggressive. There's the odd tender moment as well. It's such a nice. well-rounded character. And I think I, I give all of the of the thanks to making a well-rounded character like Pixie to Olivia Cook for making something like that. I mean, I thought she was great in it. I really did. Then alongside, I've got to mention these two as well. Alongside Olivia Cook is Ben Hardy and Daryl McCormack as the two guys who she tricks into going on the run with her, who are, as I said earlier, they're, they're idiotic gangsters, but they are very fun here. Really fun. The perfect folly for Olivia Cook's Pixie as well. Yeah. Then, and this is probably where the trailer sold it for me. I've got to be honest. We have. So, <laughs> so you're laughing already I know, I because know you know what you're what's. Yeah. Uh, so we have. Um, two secondary characters one of them is Cole Meaney as a gangster now I like Cole Meaney anyway but here he plays a, a very nasty gangster then we have out of the blue Alec Baldwin playing a gun-toting church leader <laughs> the second you see in a trailer Alec Baldwin shooting a shotgun dressed as a priest you think this is going to be a film I'm going to you, you're, you're either <laughs> in or you're out aren't you that's yes, the thing yeah. that's the moment where I went oh, I'm totally in on this I am totally <laughs> in I've got to be honest all of them entertaining. As I said, Olivia Cook, yeah, fantastic. Absolutely stand out. However, Alec Baldwin has that gun-toting uh, priest. Yeah, fun. Count fun. me in. Yeah, count me in. Fun all the way. I think the, the film just joins so nicely together all the way through. Really smart comedy. Really entertaining. I, I like this film a lot. I really do. Nice. Is this a British film? Uh, well, Irish film. Irish film, of Irish film, of yes, um, a small Irish film is really. I mean, it does feel very small, but as I said, so much fun, so much fun. It really is. More films like this, please, where it's got really smart cast, really smart comedy in it. Maybe it's a bit small. Maybe it's not made for loads and loads of money. But if we get films like this, oh, I'm yes. more for it. I'm all for I it. I would go to Alec Baldwin's church. I'm just saying. <laughs> You'd have legend. no choice. You'd have no choice. <laughs> it's like Narcos meets Father Ted from this trailer. <laughs> okay. Oh, what a, what a description. Narcos meets Father Ted. Love it. <laughs> Pablo Ted. Yeah, uh, no, okay. I'm all in. So this is, where is this available? DVD? So this is on DVD. It's already available on digital download as well. It came out uh, towards the end of last year, I believe, on digital download. But it's now on DVD. Well worth seeking out, whatever way you get it. Absolutely. Get me some of that. What else we got? Okay, so a slight change here. Uh, we've got a film called Jungle Land, which is about two brothers who try to escape their circumstances by travelling across uh, the American country for a no-holds-barred boxing match that becomes a fight for their own lives. Ooh. Uh, the first thing to say here is this is not really a boxing match, a boxing film per se. Not exactly Rocky. No, it's not. It's a film about fighting, but it's a film about fighting for your lives. Uh -huh. um, not literally. Like. Well, m m maybe a little bit, to be honest, more figuratively. So we meet Stanley and Lion. They are two brothers who I would describe as maybe scratchy brothers. Um they clearly love each other, but Stanley is the more dominant one. He's the one who knows how to play the game. But Lion is is there as well. But as I said, they're, they're very scratchy. They're very sort of on the periphery, to be honest with you. So mm. what we've got here is this ability that both helps and hinders both of them as brothers and individually as well. So they begin to look for this big payday at the boxing match. This is a story about brotherly love 
and through thick and thin how it can endure and also you know help them stand on their own two feet without the help of their brother it is quite the performances from charlie hunnam and jack o'connell as stanley and lion here um yep. these are not all out in your face performances they have aggressive moments um I mean, let's face it, you know, they are boxers, so of course it's going to happen. But do tend to have that in them. Yeah, yeah. But instead what we are, I think what we get here is two men who are struggling in the real world. They feel like they don't belong with the everyday folk, like their life is mm. so far away from anybody else. And all they can focus on is boxing. Boxing, 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 boxing. That's all they can do, basically. Yeah. However, the brothers don't account for a tag along in the form of a young girl called Sky. Um this teenager has got a lot of street smarts about her that that really puts her at odds with both men. This really complicates the relationship between Stanley and Lion. And I think the film shows how that bond, while it's unbreakable, can be severely tested when it comes to a member of the opposite sex. Now, mm. interestingly... The film, I think, also plays on the macho, uh, on the male macho stereotype here and shows how that many times it, it, it's not what you think it is. So, you know, Lion might be the boxer. So you think, hey, he's the big tough he's guy. He's the alpha male. Yeah. yeah, but he is racked with guilt and insecurities and also thoughts about time away from his brother as well. So while I think the film doesn't fully pick apart toxic masculinity, it does show in a very good way, actually, how it's tough and some people can't step away from that as well. And that when they're on, they're on, basically. If you know yeah. what I mean, you know what yeah. I mean when I'm saying that? Like, on, like, the, like yeah. They, they can't, they have no off switch. They, they, they struggle to realise that, okay, this is a point where I should step away. Um, I should be more uh, yeah. self-conscious of what's happening. Once so the chest starts getting beaded. That's, that's yeah. It. Yeah, red, red. Um, you know, I think this film, the film is not going to stand out on the shelves, shelves, as if we can go to a DVD shop and buy it or something. <laughs> Back um, in the day, good old blockbuster. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think anybody taking a chance on it, and you should take a chance on it, because it's a fascinating story about two brothers who are really more complex than you initially think as well. Um, it reminded me a lot of the Christian Bale, Mark Wahlberg film, The Fighter, because... That was kind of about boxing, but actually it wasn't. It was about brotherly love and mm. how these bonds, you know, can be pulled in in very different ways. So this is a very different film. It's a film about loyalty, you know, family loyalty as well. So it's it's very tough. It's very gritty filmmaking as well. Yeah. But the two central performances are what make it. And I think Charlie Hunnam and Jack O'Connell, while not many people will mention this in years to come when they're talking about those two actors' filmography... I think it will show us a point where they turned into where they turned performances that were very different than what we know them as. Much more, as in raw. Yeah, much more raw, much more real than what we've seen previously. Um, so yeah, great film. Really like it. Tough, uncompromising. Nice one for the macho man. A little bit of emotion in it. Well, maybe, maybe uh, there is a lot of emotion in it. I yeah. will say that. Yes. Lovely. 
What we got next? One more film? We have. So we've got a documentary, and I thought we should talk about this. This is out on DVD this week. This is a documentary called White Riot. It is all about the forming of Rock Against Racism, an organisation that took a stand against the National Front in the UK via the means of multicultural music events and countrywide music uh, newsletters. Yeah. So I have to say, and we had spoken about this off air, actually, before before we were doing this, both of us didn't really know too much about this because it happened before either of us were born. Bit before we were ideas. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's the story about the, the fight against racism in what they class in this documentary as an ununited kingdom. I've got to say, I think that's great. Oh, yeah. Good, good phrase. Yeah. By the end of the 80 minutes, I was informed, educated, entertained. That's what I want. That is how you do a documentary. Isn't it? it is, absolutely. Um, but when you're talking about a music documentary that is fighting racism, I think it is even more impressive. There are quite a few legendary musicians who do not come out of this documentary very well. Oh. Yes. Okay. So the documentary explains that Rock, Rock Against Racism was formed because Eric Clapton threw his weight behind Enoch Powell, who was an MP who wanted nothing more than to deport any people who didn't who he thought didn't belong here basically yeah i think that's the best way to describe it um anybody who wasn't white i think is probably the best way to describe it mm. um there's also mentions of rod stewart and david bowie being on the opposite side which i sh which, well. trust me i was shocked really yeah. shocked when those names come however whether they apologise and change their stance later on, the documentary doesn't answer. What it does do is have talking heads from those who were instrumental in setting up Rock Against Racism. I, there's mm. some really fascinating stories about how the group of people, white and black, took on the National Front in ways that, to be honest, the, the racists could never have imagined. Because they didn't literally fight them on the streets. That's the thing. They, they realised, no, no, let's not go yeah. down to their level let's raise it up so they took it to other places so they yeah. took it to youth clubs music gigs and started to show the younger generation who obviously were forming their own opinions at that time that look the, these views that were coming out were not just bad but they were disregarding people's basic human rights here in yeah. the uk and i found that really interesting really interesting yeah um one of my favourite bits in the documentary, and I love this about it, is that it turns out that when the National Front... that The National Front had taken The Clash's song White Riot and claimed it as their own song, right? Like, oh, this is, this oh, is yeah. us and whatever else, right? However, what they say in the documentary is when you really listen to the lyrics, it's completely the opposite of what the National Front were thinking the lyrics were about. Yeah. I, I mean, fantastic. I love that when you get but something But you know they're like own gang, really. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, there is a cracking archival interview here with Joe Strummer where he talks about why The Clash came together and why he abhorred, he absolutely detested the National Front and all of the racists and why he hated the fact that they had taken that song as well. Cracking interview. I mean, he really goes for it, as to be expected. It's Joe Strummer from The Clash. Yeah. Um, so... You know, I think anybody coming to this documentary who's who was not aware of it, much like me and you, you know, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, education. We'll find picks. yeah, we'll find a lot of education here. I I was really educated. I think anybody who grew up in the punk era will find 
this hitting a, a chord perfectly well. Striking um, the chord like it. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Power chord, um, is that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I don't think this documentary could have come at a more important time. Yeah, it has come out at a good time. Yeah, it has. Um, really like this documentary because of what it's doing. Really like it. Nice. So White Riot, where, where can people get it? So this is on DVD, um, and it's also going to be on Sky Documentaries this weekend. Ah. So if you have Sky Documentaries, it's going to be on there this weekend as well. Fantastic. Do you get to hear any of the performances? Uh, well, there are a couple of music bits in there, but it's more the talking heads, because as I said, you know, it's 80-something minutes, so they can't really play out yeah. loads of music, but there is except some music the in there. <laughs> well, yeah, except for The Clash, but there is some music in there, yes. Nice. I look forward to that. What uh, what can we enjoy on the teddy box this weekend, Mark? Anything? Saturday, we have a Martin Scorsese film, Oh. and it's a sequel. Now, Martin Scorsese doesn't do sequels, really. However, oh. at 9pm on Saturday night on Talking Pictures TV, The Colour of Money is on there. Paul Newman and Tom Cruise. It is the sequel to The Hustler. I um, have to say, I watched this only last week in preparation because I knew it was going to be on TV. Yeah. I uh, haven't seen it in probably 20 years. It's amazing. I was so blown away with how sharp it is and how the dialogue is. Um between Newman and Cruz because they are they're pool sharks basically they're they go around mm. hustling people for money but then all of a sudden they go to this big pool competition and they have to face off against each other um it is fantastic and it came at a time where Cruz was changing from being the the good looking coming of age boy into that sort of 30s actor where he was making serious work like Cocktail and, and to The Colour of Money as well. And yeah. then he was up against the old man in Paul Newman. So it's kind of like the baton being passed a little bit. Yeah, that's um, say, yeah, yeah bit. it's a brilliant, brilliant film that Scorsese directed the heck out of it. The way he shoots um, the, the pool sequences, it's like you're right there. It's like you're playing pool. And Paul with Tom Cruise and Paul. Yeah, Newman. it's fantastic. I absolutely <laughs> thought this film was brilliant. I really did. Um, and it's it's kind of a now it feels a bit like a heritage film because you know we don't really have many pool halls anymore. We don't really have hustlers. I was just thinking, the last time I went to a pool hall, blimey, that yeah, was a while ago. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, we used to have one, one here in Brentwood. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a great film. Absolutely great film. If you haven't seen it, The Colour of Money is fantastic. It really is. You say it's a sequel. Do you need to have seen the first one? Oh, not really. I don't think so. No. I, I would say no. A lot of people would probably say yes. I mean, obviously, watch the first one because the first one's fantastic. Um, but I, I think watching this as a standalone still works. Still does the trick. When's it on? Yes. So this is 9pm on Saturday night on Talking Pictures TV. Nice. What else we got? Uh, so Sunday at 10pm on BBC4, we have the TV premiere of The Gangster, The Cop, The Devil. Now, you may remember, we reviewed this about a year ago. The title sounds familiar. Yes, yes, it uh, is. A year ago, of course, you're asking now. I know, I know, I know. look, <laughs> the time, has, time has moved on, Fair hasn't it? changed to the last it year. It really yeah. has, yeah, absolutely. But uh, this is a crime film, um, foreign language crime film uh, from South Korea. That, oh. uh, yeah, that is uh, the story of a, a crime boss who teams up with a cop to track down a serial killer. 
Ooh. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it is fantastic. It's got one of my... I, I really like this guy. Uh, Mad Dong Sik, who is a... I, I hope I pronounced his name. Yeah, well done. I, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I'm going to go who, with you. He's a great actor. He really is. Um, he was in uh, Train to Busan, and now he's actually going to be in. He's going to be in the Eternals later on in the year, the Marvel film. However, here he plays a really nasty piece of work. In fact, all of them play nasty pieces of work. You know, the cop is not that good. You know, he's not a nice guy or anything. Yeah, um, some shady characters. I mean, I think from when you look at the trailer, I was kind of like, okay, this kind of looks interesting. But when you watch it, it is quite intense mm. like all of the like everything about it the violence is very intense uh there's a lot of swearing in it as well um it, it's all very well handled i will say that it is a really good piece of crime filmmaking um that sadly we don't get to see that much of from hollywood or here in the UK that much because it's really down and dirty stuff. Yeah. Um, I really like it. Some of these, yeah, uh, I really films. like this. It's a good action flick. Good action flick this is. Mm. So where's this on? BBC Four. So BBC Four, 10pm on Sunday night. It is the TV premiere. Excellent. It's in the planner. What we got to look forward to next week? You're going to get your crystal so, ball out and see. If you can. <laughs> so next week, um, we've got uh, a bit of a female-led week, actually. So we've got um, oh, nice. a film called The Glorias, which is um, a biopic about Gloria Steinem, um, the female activist. We've nice. got a horror film called The Columnist coming as well. Then on DVD and Blu-ray, we've got The Craft Legacy, which is a sequel to the 1990s awesome coming of age film the craft all about witchcraft oh. uh, we've now got a sequel to it and then we have an animated anime film that's not right an anime film um yes. called children of the sea which uh got great acclaim from asia when it got released it is now finally after about 18 months getting a dvd and blu-ray release here in the uk oh, is it worth that wait though that's the question Ooh. stay tuned for a whole week and find out next week on Movie News. Awesome. Well, I look forward to that. It's a good week next week, I think. Well, in terms of, you know, decent names and people involved and uh, a bit of something for everybody. Yeah, lovely. Oh, we like a little bit of variety. Yeah. It's all good. In the meantime, I'm, uh, I'm going to see what I'll find Alec Baldwin to do a sermon for us. <laughs> you do that. I'm just going to uh, drop off to Zamunda on the way. Yeah. See if that gold mine's produced it. <laughs> With Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Film reviews and movie news. Phoenix 98FM. Go to phoenixfm.com and listen to online guest interviews. Check the events for your area and listen to great radio online. This is Phoenix 98 FM.